Chapter Four of the Mayor's Parlor by J. S. Fletcher. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bulls Snug. When Brent came again to the centre of the town, he found that Hathelsborough, instead of sinking to sleep within an hour of curfew, according to long-established custom, had awakened to new life. There were groups at every corner, and little knots of folk at doors, and men in twos and threes on the pavement, and it needed no particular stretching of his ears to inform him that everybody was talking of the murder of his cousin. He caught fragmentary bits of surmise and comment. Near a shadowy corner of the great church he purposely paused, pretending to tie his shoelace in order to overhear a conversation between three or four men who had just emerged from the door of an adjacent tavern and were talking in loud, somewhat excited tones, working men whose speech was in the vernacular. "'You can bet your life that this job's been done by them whose little game Wallingford were going to checkmate,' declared one man. "'I've always said that he were running a rare old risk. We know what the old saying is about new brooms sweeping clean, all very well as that, but you can smash a new broom if you use it over vigorously. Wallingford were going a bit too deeply into the abuses of this town, and he's paid the penalty. Put out of the way, that's the truth on it. Happen it may be, said a second man, and happen not. And happen not. There's no denying at the mayor were what they call a man a mystery. A mysterious chap, you see, in his comings and goings. You don't know it he mayn't have had secret enemies. After all, he were not but a stranger at the town, not but here twelve years or so. How do we know what about him? It may be summat to do with the past, this here affair. I'm none going to believe that there's anybody in Hathelsborough that stick a knife into him just because he were cleaning up the town money affairs like. Never you mind, asserted the former speaker. He were going to touch the pockets of some on em pretty considerable, were to mayor. And you know what Hathelsborough folk is when their pockets is touched. They'll stick at naught. He's been put away, has Wallingford, cause he were here interfering over much. Brent walked on, reflecting. His own opinions coincided, uncomfortably but decidedly, with those of the last speaker, and a rapidly growing feeling of indignation and desire for vengeance welled up within him. He looked round at the dark-walled, closely-shuttered old houses about him with a sense of dull anger. Surely they were typical of the reserve, the cunning watchfulness, the suggestive silences of the folk who lived in them, of whom he had just left three excellent specimens in crude, mallet, and coppinger. How was he, a stranger, going to unearth the truth about his cousin's brutal murder, amongst people like these, endowed, it seemed to him, with an eastern-like quality of secretiveness? But he would. He went on to the rooms in which Wallingford had lived ever since his first coming to the town. They were good, roomy, old-fashioned apartments in a big house, cosy and comfortable, but the sight of Wallingford's study, of his desk, his books and papers, of his favourite chair and his slippers at the fire, of the supper-table already spread for him and Brent in an inner parlour, turned Brent sick at heart. He turned hastily to Wallingford's landlady, who had let him in and followed him into the dead man's room. "'It's no use, Mrs. Appleyard,' he said. "'I can't stop here to-night, anyway. 
it will be too much i'll go to the chancellor and send on for my luggage the woman nodded staring at him wonderingly the news had evidently wrought a curious change in her usually she was a cheery good-natured rather garrulous woman but she looked at brent now as if something had dazed her mr brent she whispered in awe-stricken accents you could have knocked me down with a feather when they came here and told me he was that well and cheerful when he went out yes said brent dully yes he let his eyes run over the room again he had looked forward to having a long intimate chat with wallingford that night over the bright fire still crackling and glowing in readiness for host and guests ay well he added it's done now them police fellows mr brent said the landlady have they any idea who did it i don't think they've the least idea yet replied brent i trust you haven't either mrs appleyard thus spurred to reminiscence recovered something of her customary loquaciousness no to be sure i haven't she answered but i've heard things and i wish uh, i do wish that i'd warn him i ought to have done what about asked brent and what things the landlady hesitated a little shaking her head well you know mr brent she said at last in a little town like this folk will talk hathelsborough's a particular bad place for talk and gossip for all that hathelsborough people's as secret as the grave when they like about their own affairs and as i say i've heard things there's a woman comes here to work for me at odd times a woman that sometimes goes to put a day or two at mariner's laundry where a lot of women works and i recollect her telling me not so long since that there was talk amongst those women about the mayor and his interfering with things and she'd heard some of em remark that he'd best keep his fingers out of the pie or he'd pay for it no more mr brent but a straw'll show which way the wind blows i'm sure there was them in the town that wanted to get rid of him all the same murder just so said brent well i've got to find that all out he went away to the chancellor hotel made his arrangements sent to mrs appleyard's for his luggage and eventually turned into bed but it was little sleep that brent got that night and he was thankful when morning came and he could leave his bed and find relief in activity he was out and about while the grey mist still hung around the hathelsborough elms and at eight o'clock walked into the police station anxious for news hawthwaite had no news for him late the previous night and early that morning the police had carried out an exhaustive search of the old moot hall and had failed to discover anything that seemed to bear relation to the crime also they had made themselves acquainted with the murdered man's movements immediately previous to his arrival at the moot hall there was nothing whatever in them that afforded any clue we know all that he did from five o'clock yesterday afternoon to the time you found him mr brent said hawthwaite he left his office at five o'clock and went home to his rooms he was there till nearly seven o'clock he went out then and walked around by abbey lodge where he left some books novels or something of the sort for mrs saumarez then who's mrs saumarez asked brent she's a young widow lady very wealthy it's understood who came to live in the town some two years ago replied hawthwaite very handsome young woman you'll be seeing her 
between you and me he added with a knowing glance his worship late worship i should say had been showing her great attention and i don't think she was indifferent to him he used to go and dine with her a good deal anyway however that's neither here nor there just now he called i say at abbey lodge left these books and then came on to the moot hall as bunning said that's the plain truth about his movements i don't think his movements matter observed brent what does matter is what were the movements of the murderer and how did he get into the mayor's parlour or was he concealed there when my cousin entered and if so how did he get out and away ay just so mr brent agreed hawthwaite as to that we know nothing so far but it was of importance to find out about your cousin's own movements because you see he might have been seen for instance in conversation with some strangers or or in something of that sort and it all helps you don't know anything about the presence of any strangers in the town last night inquired brent oh we're satisfied ourselves about that replied hawthwaite we made full inquiries last night at the railway station and at the hotels there were no strangers came into the town last night or evening or afternoon barring yourself and a couple of commercial travellers who are well known here we saw to that particular at once then you really found out nothing suggested brent nothing asserted hawthwaite but the inquest won't be held until to-morrow morning and by then we may know something and in the meantime sir there's something you might do mr brent i gather that you're his next of kin very well sir then you might examine his papers private papers and so on you never know what bit of sidelight you might come upon very good said brent but i shall want help large help in that can you recommend a solicitor now there's mr tansley replied hawthwaite his office is next door to his late worships a sound man tansley mr brent and if i were you i should get tansley to represent you at the inquest to-morrow legal assistance is a good thing to have sir at an affair of that sort brent nodded his acquiescence and went back to his hotel he was thankful that there were few guests in the house he had no wish to be stared at as a principal actor in the unfolding drama yet he speedily realized that he had better lay aside all squeamish feelings of that sort he foresaw that the murder of its mayor would throw hathelsborough into the fever of a nine days wonder and that his own activities would perforce draw attention to himself and there were things to be done and after he had breakfasted he set resolutely and systematically about doing them tansley's office first he made an arrangement with tansley to meet him at wallingford's rooms that afternoon to go through any private papers that might be found there then his cousin's office there were clerks there awaiting instructions brent had to consult with them as to what was to be done about business and that over there was another and still more difficult task the arrangements for wallingford's internment of one thing brent was determined whatever alderman crood as deputy mayor or whatever the alderman and councillors of hathelsborough desired he as the murdered man's next of kin was not going to have any public funeral or demonstration it roused his anger to white heat to think of even the bare possibility of wallingford's murderer following him in smug hypocrisy to his grave 
and in Brent's decided opinion that murderer was a Hathelsborough man, and one of high place. It was nearly noon when he had completed these arrangements, and then, having no more to do at the moment, he remembered the little newspaper man, Peppermore, and his invitation to call at the Monitor office. So, as twelve o'clock chimed and struck from the tower of St. Hathelwood's, he walked up the narrow entry from the market-place, along which the editor-reporter had shot the previous night, and after a preliminary reconnoitering of the premises, tapped at a door marked Editorial. A shrill voice bade him enter, and he turned the handle to find himself inspecting an unusually untidy and littered room, the atmosphere of which seemed to be chiefly derived from a mixture of gas, paste, and printer's ink. Somewhere beyond sounded the monotonous rumble of what was probably an old-fashioned printing machine. A small-figured, sharp-faced, red-haired youngster of apparently fifteen or sixteen years was the sole occupant of this unsavoury sanctum. He was very busy, so busy that he had divested himself of his jacket and had rolled up his shirt-sleeves. In his right hand he wielded a pair of scissors. With them he was industriously clipping paragraphs from a pile of newspapers which lay before him on a side-table. It was evident that he had a sharp eye for telling stuff, for in the moment which elapsed after Brent's entrance he had run it over a column, swooped on a likely item, snipped it out, and added it to a heap of similar gleanings at his elbow. He glanced at his caller with an expression which was of the sort that discourages wasting of time. "'Mr. Peppermore?' inquired Brent, taking his cue. "'In?' "'Out,' answered the boy. "'Long?' demanded Brent. "'Can't say,' said the busy one. "'Might be and mightn't.' Then he gave Brent a close inspection. "'If it's news,' he added, "'I can take it. Is it?' "'No news,' replied Brent. "'Mr. Peppermore asked me to call. I'll wait.' He perched himself on the counter and washed the scissors. "'You're the sub-editor, I reckon,' he said, at last, with a smile. "'Eh?' "'I'm all sorts of things in this blooming office,' answered the boy. "'We're short-handed here, I can tell you. Takes me and Mr. P. and all our time to get the paper out. Why, last week, Mr. P., he didn't have time to write his editorial. We had to shove an old one in. But, Lord bless you, I don't believe anyone reads them. Liveliness and something about turnips.' That's what our folks likes. However, they'll have some good stuff this week. We'd a real first-class murder in this town last night. The mayor. Heard about it? I've heard, said Brent. Hmm. And how long have you been at that job? Twelve months, replied the boy. I was in the law before that six months. But the law didn't suit me. Slow. There's some go in this. Bit too much now and then. What we want is another reporter comes hard on me and Mr. Peppermore times. I did two cricket matches, a fire, a lost child, and a drowning case last Saturday. Good, said Brent. Know any shorthand? I can do a fair bit, answered the man of all work. Learning, can you? Some, replied Brent. Did a lot once. What system? But just then Peppermore, more in a hurry than ever, came bustling in to beam brightly through his spectacles at the sight of his visitor. 
mr brent he exclaimed delighted my dear sir charmed not often our humble roof is extended over a distinguished visitor take a chair sir but no stop i've an idea he seized brent by the lapel of his coat and became whispering and mysterious step outside he said twelve o'clock we'll go over to bulls what's bulls asked brent as they went out into the entry peppermore laughed and wagged his finger bulls sir he said bulls centre of all the gossip in hathelsborough come across there and have a quiet glass with me and keep your eyes and ears open i've been trying all the morning to get some news ideas impressions about the sad events of last night mr brent now for current criticism bulls is the place all the gossips of the town congregate there sir all right agreed brent show the way peppermore let him down the narrow entry across the market-place and into an equally narrow passage that opened between two shops near high cross there brent found himself confronted by what seemed to be a high blank doorless and windowless wall peppermore perceived his astonishment and laughed some queer odd nooks and corners in hathelsborough mr brent he said knowingly it would take a stranger a long time to find out all the twists and turns in this old town but everybody knows the way to bull snug and here we are he suddenly made a sharp turn to the right and into another passage where he pushed open a door steered his companion by the elbow through a dark entry and thrusting aside a heavy curtain ushered him into as queer a place as brent had ever seen it was a big roomy apartment lavishly ornamented with old sporting prints and trophies of the rustic chase its light came from the top through a skylight of coloured glass its floor was sawdusted there were shadowy nooks and recesses in it and on one side ran a bar presided over by two hefty men in their shirt-sleeves and here about the bar and in knots up and down the room and at the little tables in the corners was a noontide assemblage every man with a glass in his hand or at his elbow peppermore drew brent into a vacant alcove and gave him a significant glance i guess there isn't a man in this room mr brent that hasn't got his own theory about what happened last night he murmured i don't suppose any of em know you they're not the sort of men you'd meet when you were here before these are all chiefly tradesmen betting men sportsmen and so on but as i say if you want the gossip of the town here's the place there never was a rumour in hathelsborough but it was known and canvassed and debated and improved upon in bulls within an hour every scandal-monger and tale-bearer comes here and here's he continued suddenly dropping his voice to a whisper one of the biggest of em watch him and listen to him if he comes near us that tall thin man in the grey suit the man with the grizzled moustache listen mr brent i'll tell you who that chap is for he's one of the queerest and at the same time most interesting characters in the town that sir is Crevin crood the ne'er-do-well brother of mr alderman crood watch him End of chapter four